I can't let that go. Or Man of Steel. So the episode didn't uh, exercise your demons? Fuck no! <laughs> if anything, it exas- it fed them. Uh-huh. Now they're bigger. And they have like spiky backs and shit. Uh-huh. Like it, oh, I don't, I don't know how to let go of 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 Dark Knight Rises. Uh, like, such collateral damage. I wonder he, if he knows. <laughs> I hope he knows. I hope Nolan can sense it every time I talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I just, I, I'm really pathologically unable to bring up that or Man of Steel without, like, just as an aside under my breath, being like, I hate that shit. <laughs> like, I can't do it. You're like, what if some passerby hears me reference it and they don't know? Yeah, and it's unhealthy. <laughs> like, I'm the asshole in this. I know that. Like, like I don't need you to point it out because uh. I know that's what you're doing right now. <laughs> Um, like this is all just my shit I get to walk around with every day sure but yeah I can't stop <laughs> like I can't just be like oh man of steel that was a movie I well, just fucking hate it like we... see just did it like, <laughs> that was a reflex I know yeah it's, it's involuntary uh Welcome to Refriend Reviews, everybody. Yep. Um, the movie, the, 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 it, it's a podcast. I was going to say a thing, <laughs> a little tagline. It's a podcast. We watch movies for the second time. We talk about the shit we didn't know the first time. It's pretty much what we're doing. My name is John. JP? Yeah. Um, he's too cool to say who, that, that he is JP. But <laughs> no, like he's, he's, that's not just a random voice pointing out that someone somewhere is JP. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy named JP here. Uh, <laughs> Subtlety is, you know, the key. Yeah. He's just, he's... Fucking sniper. That's what you're doing. You're precise. I like that. I just shotgun blast shit. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I mean, they're both worthy approaches. <laughs> I think yours is a little more artful. Um, yeah, so uh, you you had an idea. We're doing something kind of different today. Uh, so, yeah. Getting I, um... experimental. <laughs> so, um, I saw Her pretty early on in its run, like before much press had come out about it or anything. Spike Jones, 2013, Best Picture nominee. Yes, exactly. And um, I, like, Adaptation was one of my favorite movies. Like, I've sort of been a, oh, so a Spike Jones fan for a long time. And uh, Adaptation, the number one movie for the Nicolas Cage apologist. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's in it twice as much, and it's yeah. still good. And he's yeah, and he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the Community episode where the B plot is Abed taking a two day class on Nicolas Cage? I don't think so. Was that the season four? Yeah, uh, it's this season. Um, oh, it's I like the I'd... second or third episode this season. Oh, I, I haven't been watching it. Oh, it's really good. But yeah, <laughs> he takes a class like trying to figure out if Nicolas Cage is good or bad, and like the professor warns him to just watch two Nicolas Cage movies, but he like watches all of them and goes crazy. Um, and then Shirley has this speech at the end about how uh, Nicolas Cage is just like Jesus because you can't really understand him, <laughs> um, and he's mysterious, but you think he might be doing good. Um, I guess semi on topic. Did you read the Spike Jones AMA? I did. And yeah. the, I think the Nicolas Cage answer to like what was it like working with them or whatever was that like he will give himself over to you. Yeah, was kind of the overall answer, which I was like, that makes sense. That yeah. is kind of cool. And I love the idea that they did all this like improvisational rehearsal, just like switching between Charlie and Donald, mm-hmm. like just giving those parts off. You know, that's that's very very cool. Um, Spike Jones just came off in that AMA is just the coolest dude ever. <laughs> like, yeah, he and Bill Murray in quick succession. Yeah, pretty crazy. No, Reddit's been killing it. And <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger just did another AMA. Really? Yeah, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger just likes Reddit a lot. <laughs> like he shows up like on the bodybuilding subreddit uh-huh. and just comment on shit. Hmm. Him and Snoop Dogg. 
Snoop Lion, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, Snoop Lion will just show up sometimes. Hmm. Also, if you say uh, Will Wheaton, if you type Will Wheaton's username three times into a post, he'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, Schwarzenegger just digs the shit out of it. He did a thing on movies a couple months ago. You can probably still find it where uh, he was like raising money for something. And if people donated to his charity and then requested a m- quote from his movies. I remember hearing about this. Yeah. <laughs> It was very, very cool. Uh, kind of like, didn't Samuel L. Jackson do something similar? Samuel L. Jackson did the Breaking Bad <laughs> One Who Knocks monologue. <laughs> That's it pretty great. It wasn't that great, actually. Well, like, I mean, when Cranston is the bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the thing that makes Cranston's performance there so good, and I know we're, we're way, way into bad dad territory, but it's <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, on, on the other podcast we do, people we know, we developed a, uh, a digression safe word. <laughs> it's bad dad. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we're kind of in bad dad, but I'll say this, and maybe we'll bring it back but the thing that makes cranston's performance in that scene so great is that there's a layer of like i can't believe i'm saying this Mm -hmm. like there's it's like i mean i'm sure we've we've all had those moments where like you're kind of getting into a heated discussion with someone and then you say something to them that's either more hurtful than you thought you were capable you surprise yourself yeah and you can watch him surprising himself in that scene Mm -hmm. and that's part of what like as soon as he says i am the one who knocks (laughs) like he kind of like pulls away physically from what he just did. And then, of course, there's the ever-present escalation and transformation, which is not the Samuel L. Jackson route, generally. No, it is, it is not. <laughs> um, Samuel L. Jackson reads it like, um, I'm just a dickhead who's talking about how I'm a dickhead. Um, <laughs> I've been the one who knocks since I was born. Motherf- That's what I tell everybody. Motherfucker! <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, Spike Jones. So her. Good guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jackass co-creator Spike Jones. <laughs> That's just what I'm going to call him from now on. Found that out during the AMA. Can't let it go. There are worse credits. <laughs> there are worse. But the fact that he, like, did you read that answer? Like, he's really proud of Jackass. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, he was talking about how someone asked him on the AMA, like, how do you, you know, uh, what's your advice for creative people? And he said, basically, like, oh, just, you know, I feel like I do my best work whenever I'm uh, answering, trying to answer questions that I think should be asked or trying to explore issues that are really important to me. Um, You know, just like when we made Jackass, that was something that, like, I just really (laughs) believed in. And I really thought that we were just going to make eight episodes and that was going to be the end of it. And then it caught fire and, like, we couldn't believe it because we were just having fun with our friends. And I was like... This is not a thing he just put his name on. <laughs> like, Spike Jones is, like, going to die on the jackass hill. Like, he's down. There's a, a podcast I listen to with a guy named Steven Kruger on the, the uh, Smod Coast Morning Show on Tuesdays. Yeah. And uh, he, he talks about, like, I guess in a, in a previous life, he was in the skating world with Spike Jones. And he said it, it, it's almost painful because he really liked her. And he's like, I know that guy. Like... He didn't call him a moron or anything, but it's just like, it was the, that goofball who was always there. Like, and he made this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird to think about. It, 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 there's such like a, I tend to think of like skate culture, uh, the, the thing, you know, like as sort of this incubator for people like Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. Like there's a really good uh, sketch comedy weirdo trio uh, in town here in LA called Power Violence. Uh, it's Whitmer Thomas, and I'm sorry, other guys in Power Violence, I don't remember your names. <laughs> the only reason I know Whitmer Thomas is he's, uh, I've, I know people who know him, and, and that, that, that sounded star fucky, and I'm sorry, but like, <laughs> he's just a guy. Um, but uh, anyway, like, Power Violence all started in like the skate world, and now they like make these videos, and like, they've got deals to make cartoons, and all these different things, and they came out of skate world. Um, you know, there's the, the, the Stacy Peralta. Like, 
like father of skate culture, arguably now is a really respected documentary filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, and who does commercials and stuff too. Um, like all these things come out of just this like roiling primordial soup that is skate culture. Well, it does. It seems sort of like a, a heavily concentrated area of a lot of these guys were teenagers and early twenties and stuff, just sort of getting out there and doing something. Yeah, like it's a safe you know, place they, to just fuck around. Yeah, like creating a culture that didn't really exist for them, and yeah. I feel like that it, it sort of makes sense that if you're that type of person that just goes out and does it when you has the idea, when you have the idea, and yeah. then as you get older and you play with different mediums and stuff, yeah. I think it makes sense that it's sort of, as these people get older and gain a little more perspective, that they do sort of cool, meaningful stuff just because they've been practicing yeah, yeah, going out and doing for their whole life. Yeah, and that's huge, like the fact that they've got that practice. And and, and it's funny, like again, because Her is such a mature movie. Um, so basically, uh, what, what like you said, we both saw it once, um, mm-hmm. just separately. Um, and what we're going to do is talk a little bit about our first impressions then we're going to go watch it again and then we're going to come back so we'll probably throw a little musical break here at some <laughs> point um but yeah uh so you saw it early in this run what i mean what'd you think um i didn't instantly fall in love with it to be honest um i'm sort of uh, i'm i think a lot about technology i mean i'm a programmer i spend yeah. a lot of time playing with these things so i think i had a lot of concern about all the sort of stupid directions that it could go in. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, there's Simone. What are other examples of people failing at this idea? Like... Uh, there's Simone. There's, I mean, the standard way to take it is like that old Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Twilight Zone episode about a computer that fell in love with its operator, but it was like one of those old-timey computers that spits out some ticker tape with words on it. <laughs> right. And like it would spit out this tape that was like, I'm in love with you. And then like, <laughs> Not quite ScarJo. Yeah, it is not quite ScarJo. Um, wasn't there, excuse me, a whole other actress that recorded this whole part, by the way? Was there? I, I think that. I read somewhere. Uh, we'll come back on the second viewing with the answer to that. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure that like all those lines were recorded by somebody else. And Spike Jones heard it and was like, this doesn't work. And then brought in Scarlett Johansson to re-record the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, who I think did a really fantastic job. Yeah. I feel like Scarlett Johansson kind of gets a bad rap as an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's so pretty that a lot of people want her to be worse than she is <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I, I would agree with that. um and she's not you know she's she's not the best actress in the universe but she's pretty damn good i mean um, she i i don't i can't think of a time when she's ever stuck out to me as like the bad part of a movie or anything yeah and she generally makes pretty good choices in terms of like what she takes and like especially here like taking a role that robs her of like the number one thing that she's known for which is her incredible beauty mm-hmm. like she doesn't have that to work with she doesn't have any facial expression to work with and she still does really really good work mm-hmm. um yeah so it, it, it you think a lot about these these kind of issues and the things like you said the things that do it worse and do you feel like it sidestepped that um yeah i i was actually really happy with the direction that it went but i, I was just saying that i think the first time i saw it i was sort of wincing a lot worrying about you know yeah. odd directions it could take and and sort of stupid twists and things and and it was in thinking about it for the couple of days after which i did incessantly where it, I sort of warmed up to it a, lo- a lot and sort of connections. I started thinking about connections that I hadn't seen when I was watching it. Yeah. And so that that was really what made me want to watch it again in the first place and suggest this idea. Yeah. And I figured, 
with the circumstances, like usually when we choose movies, it's things that we've actually seen a few times and yeah. it's more from childhood or whatever. Yeah. But I figured this would be an actual, like a way that we could try the exact watch we're it so, twice. We're so au, au courant right now. <laughs> That's a thing right now. I'm saying that right. That sounds like a thing. Sure. Um, <laughs> We're 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 cool. Please, someone think we're cool. <laughs> Do this for me. Um, yeah, I was really just taken with it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. I really the thing I love most about it is its vision of the future mm-hmm. and how subtly that vision creeps into the film. Um, like it just sort of becomes part of the fabric of it. None of those elements are really foregrounded. Like he. Ju- there's there's never any exposition about like what this world is like now mm-hmm. like that's true we're never told like oh now we use the internet or anything like that <laughs> um or like oh yeah like there's way more buildings in la don't worry about it like we just we just are expected to go on this ride and it's so like we're not even told what year it is i don't think and i mean sort of like the you know the Kristen wig cameo um no the the his first phone call in bed where, uh, the, That's like, Kristen Wiig? Yeah, yeah, you'll have to listen for oh! that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I definitely see what you're saying, especially for scenes like that, where it could be explained to death yeah. by one character talking about it or seeing a billboard with bullet points or something. Yeah. But it was so clear exactly what was happening by just sort of taking current technology and tweaking it with the appropriate actions yeah. to sort of, you get the gist of like, Oh, the random network where you yeah. just sort of experience company with someone. Yeah. No, it definitely like seemed like it, it made a smart decision in that everybody was doing things with technology that we currently do. They were just doing them in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we have the random, I mean, they were basically on chat roulette. Um, right, right. You know, it's just there weren't any dick pics. Um, <laughs> instead, there was really, really awkward phone sex. <laughs> oh, God. Um, we're, we're about to sit through that again. <laughs> Yeesh. Um, but yeah, it and, and s- small things like just the way like everybody wears high-waisted pants now. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> I love the high-waisted pants so much. I thought it being set in L.A. was really cool yeah. in terms of like it, it sort of it provided an overall impression of like this is... Uh, I mean, urban living, I guess, sort of like just the the super densely packed beaches and everything. Yeah. But no particular like landmark screamed Los Angeles to me. And I've lived here my whole life. I don't think you even see the Hollywood sign. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I, I thought it had kind of a cool vibe to it. I don't know if that's intentional that like LA is a future wasteland or what. Yeah. But I mean, I, it seems, I mean, it was more optimistic than the Blade Runner future. <laughs> that's so, a good point. Yeah. So like, I'm feeling good about living in LA right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might dodge a bullet, guys. <laughs> So um, I guess just we should cover what 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 do you suspect you'll be looking for the second time? Mm. Like, what are you sort of intrigued about? Um, I I really want to like look at. I want to pay more attention to how um, how uh, Scarlett Johansson's OS character um, matures a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I want to watch her evolution because there's something very cool happening there about like just her and the other OS is entering like sort of a recursion and a recursive intelligence loop mm-hmm. and then just spinning themselves right off of our plane of existence. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's how I took the ending last time I saw it at least. So I want to kind of pay attention to how she evolves a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want, I want to pay more attention to Amy Adams. Um, cause mm-hmm. I feel like I, if anything, I felt like the first time she wasn't really given enough to do. And I think there's, there's so many different ways 
in which this movie talks about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's the way that you know the the, the relationship that uh, that Joaquin Phoenix has with Scarlett Johansson speaks to the relationship he had with Rooney Mara. And, uh, you know, I, there, there's a way that that speaks to the relationship that Amy Adams had with her husband. Um, I also want to pay more attention to the Olivia Wilde date mm-hmm. um, because I was too busy cringing the first time <laughs> to pay a lot of attention to it. Yeah, that, that's a big one for me where I felt like the, the scene was very well made and it mm-hmm. captured an emotion very well. But I, I couldn't really explain what happened from beginning to end or kind yeah. of how it fits in. So I thought, uh, like, I'm looking forward to seeing it again and sort of contextualizing a little more. Yeah, I want to think more about the kind of person she is. That's exciting. Um, cool. Yeah, you uh, you want to go watch it? Oh, yeah, sounds good. All right, guys. Um, enjoy uh, the dulcet tones of whatever music I decide to put in here um, <laughs> in a couple days whenever I'm editing this. Um, and we'll be back in a little bit to give you our uh, fresh impressions of the second time we saw her. Yeah, talk to you in a few. We just, like, seconds ago finished watching her for the second time. Um, I'm really sad. Yeah, I'm going to try not to tear up during this. <laughs> yeah, it was really, like, it was just as affecting. And, like, the first time I saw it was maybe, like, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe more. Maybe, I, I don't remember if I saw it before or after Christmas. So it might have been, like, two months. I'm not sure. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I am I'm definitely really, really sad. Um, <laughs> One thing to be sure of. Yeah, it's it's going to get you every time. And it's like, it really is kind of a parable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, it seems a little bit concerned with, like, questions of how artificial intelligence will develop in our society and how it'll grow and, like, one, like, interesting use case for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels, when it addresses those questions, it feels like it's mainly addressing them almost because Spike Jones can't help himself. <laughs> you know? Like, those are too tempting to, like, not touch those. Mm-hmm. But mostly, it's about, like, like Samantha's just a stand-in for how a person grows and becomes something you can't really understand over the course of a long-term relationship. I, it did seem to mirror sort of a lot of the evolution of humans and the development of a relationship and yeah. uh, personal <clears throat> development from an emotional level. Like, it did seem to have parallels kind of all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Um like I mean, and it, it, it's interesting because definitely before the surrogate scene, it feels like they're trying to live, like they're just sort of sweeping the bad things, the, the, the things that don't work about the relationship under the rug, naming the fact that she's a computer. Right. Um, and he's just like, no, it's fine. It's cool. Just like in the first like six months of a relationship, you're like, no, we can totally make this work. It's cool. <laughs> Whatever. Like, you know, sure. Like you're a paranoid schizophrenic with a meth problem, but hey, you know, it's fine. It's fine. You're so interesting. Well, what is the, uh, is it the sharpshooter fallacy? Where you like, it's sort of the, uh, where it comes from is the idea that someone just fired a bunch of bullets at the side of a barn 
And if you're presented with that, it's easy to circle clusters of shots that are close together and say that like, oh, it's a pattern or or this yeah. is what they're going for or anything. So mm. it's the the sharpshooter fallacy is just sort of the idea of looking for data that you're sort of yeah. are already sensitive to and are hoping to find. Yeah, yeah, and they definitely are hoping until uh, Samantha finds th- possibly the neediest woman in Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs> to come have sex with them. God, that scene is not less <laughs> is not more comfortable the second time. It was definitely sort of the the epitome of trying to compartmentalize things like to the point that she had to close the door and reopen it to be Samantha. Yeah. (laughs) And like the fact that like her, like, cause it could have been really easy and probably a better decision on Samantha's part for him, for her to just be feeding dialogue to the girl Mm -hmm. and have the girl say it. But instead (laughs) Samantha's talking and the girl is miming with her mouth closed and that's fucking eerie. It was very sort of mime off putting. Yeah, like, that's a bad decision, <laughs> like, if you're trying to make this work. And I get kind of trying to make that. You know what? No, I don't. I don't. I don't get trying to make it work. I think it's a terrible idea. Um, I, I I don't think they should have done this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue with you that, that it would ever be a good idea. I think it's sort of, it's an interesting representation of sort of, again, compartmentalizing things and sort of how in control we all want to feel all the time mm-hmm. where sort of the just the idea of i would i would really love to have like a passionate night of sex with someone that i really care about without all the conversation and hookups and yeah. and you know figuring it out along the way like the idea that oh wouldn't it be great to drop in on this for a night yeah but I, I don't, I don't want to dedicate kind of a large portion oh, of my you mean, life to you it. You mean in terms of how you identify with the blonde? Yes. Isabella is her name. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like it's sort of a common theme throughout the movie of just sort of wanting to have this pure version of something yeah. without a lot of the, the complications surrounding it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely everybody seems to be judging each other based on an ideal um, and not thinking about the messier parts when, like, that's the relationship, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, the messy shit. Like, you signed on for someone without a body, Theodore. Like, <laughs> you're going to have to roll with that now. And the thing that struck me was that, like, their relationship was doomed from go because he's really possessive just based on how it starts. Like, you don't start dating your secretary, man. <laughs> like, and, like, the fact that, like, she's bound to him. Like, he can just hit a button and his girlfriend's just there. Mm-hmm. And the second that's taken away from him, it's so terrifying. He goes running through the streets. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, he does find out that she's in love with a bunch of other people. And, like, that <laughs> creates some boundary issues. I get that. But, like, did they ever have the monogamy conversation? Mm-hmm. Did uh, And he only found that out because he freaked out that she wasn't at his beck and call. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I... I, I as I'm talking, I'm finding myself to be a little bit less sympathetic towards Theodore. Like it's almost, it's, it's hard not to feel like he kind of needed a training relationship and that's what this was for him. Um, yeah. And I, I feel, I mean, we can, we can get to this a little bit later since it's kind of the end of the movie, but I thought sort of the, there was a nice parallel with, with Amy Adams where of course, a lot of the things that he's going through are relationship based and hormonal and, and this and that. Yeah. But that a lot of it is also generalizable to people sort of wanting to be heard and wanting to feel like they have things in common with people. Yeah. And um, 
actually sort of on on that topic of uh you know when did the monogamy break and that kind of stuff there was a scene um i believe it's i think it was sort of like when he tried to make up with her yeah after the uh the ex-wife making fun of the os kind of threw things into a tizzy yeah where she says something i forget exactly what it was but it was along the lines of that she can't find an intellectual reason of why she would love him, but mm. she came to the conclusion that that sort of doesn't oh, yeah, matter, like and she's going to trust her feelings. You can feel her starting the conversation, and like he's bracing for like something terrible, uh-huh. and then she says, "Like I just don't have a reason," and it's like, "Oh, like that was a really well constructed bit of dialogue." Well, I did sort of wonder, you know, having seen it before and knows where it goes, it it almost made me wonder if that's the moment, yeah, where like she's sort of come to that decision. And then, like, you know, if it was a bitchier relationship down the line, it was like sort of, oh, you, you didn't understand? That's what I was getting at? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Sort of about how, you know, love into her heart and, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I reached for it and it just wasn't there. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I guess, you know, there's, like I said, there's all these little imbalances in the dynamic and the, the, the horrible, like, the weird little fantasy land that they managed to live in for just a minute. And it looked ideal and it looked really nice. But, like, you just you just feel like this thing's doomed from go. Well, I mean, you were saying the secretary, there's, there's the yeah. post uh, phone sex at night or whatever. Though, oh, when he yeah. has to wake her up and ask whether there are any emails. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah that, uh, I mean, well, I, I guess as a guy who, 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 you know, keeps up with evolution of technology and something is really involved in that, mm-hmm. how plausible do you find this scenario? As a whole, I would say the, the thing that I wrote down that really made me think about sort of the, the human side of this, yeah. like whether we would let technology get to that point in our lives was when he asked her to read the email when he yeah. was playing video games and he said like read email oh yeah and she kind of made fun of him yeah for you know like i'm i'm not just you know uh, responding to your commands i feel like once technology gets to that point where it can do voice inflection and express emotion and stuff and they throw in bits like that yeah. I feel like that's when it'll start working its way into the human brain. Like, yeah. when it's manipulating the emotional stuff of, yeah. like, a friendly voice saying something like that to you. Yeah. Of, like, oh, you're totally demeaning me right now. And, like, whether that's a real human voice or not, I feel like that's sort of how it'll whittle into yeah. it won't matter. It won't matter if it's a real human voice or just a really, like, accurate simulation of actual emotional states. Yeah. Like, it could all just be stimulus-response stuff. I mean, I had a lot of questions about why she was responding the way she did. I don't understand why... I don't really, like, if I really think about it, it's pretty easy to tear down the idea that, like, Samantha would want a sexual relationship with anyone anyway, Mm -hmm. because, like, sexuality is so driven by hormones, and there's plenty of cases of actual human beings walking around who are asexual, Mm -hmm. and, like, are in relationships, but aren't in, you know, sexual relationships, um, and I, I mean, I don't want to speak for those folks, but I, if I were in that kind of relationship, I'd imagine I wouldn't be quite as hung up on monogamy as if the relationship's physical. Because, I mean, I don't mind if my girlfriend gets really close to somebody mm-hmm. um, as long as she's not betraying, like, the things that I've entrusted her with. Sure. You know, if she's telling, like, you know, her friends, uh, you know, her 
close secrets like she should talk to other people about that stuff besides me like that's healthy and good if they're trying to figure out how to compute without using matter yes (laughs) (laughs) which you know she gets up to some stuff um yeah uh let's talk about olivia wilde for a second yeah i saw we were both sort of particularly pensive and paying attention (laughs) yeah that that whole thing man they picked like the most perfect weird artificial place to take them (laughs) And, like, the fact that they were having that horrible, like, cliche first date conversation mm-hmm. of, like, what kind of animal would you be? And they're trying to flirt with each other, but it's like they're trying on a sweater they're not committed to. The thing that, it's funny you put it that way, the thing that stuck out to me was when he was talking about his video game excitedly. Yeah. And she's kind of laughing, but not really contributing, like, yeah. in a way that she knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And then she does the same thing. She talks about uh, puppies or something. Mm-hmm. And he kind of does the same thing. Yeah. Where he's laughing because she's fun and it's a date and we're and we're having fun but yeah. he's not really contributing you don't really feel like he's connecting with what she's talking about yeah which i feel like that's what they captured really well yeah of like just that really awkward stuff where you're not quite sure what to say because you don't know what they care about and you're yeah. too concerned about making the wrong move and yeah and so um I, I thought that whole thing was sort of captured incredibly well and that's what i noticed is that they both seem very excited to be sharing their thing yeah. Much more than sharing it with someone else. Yeah, like someone's listening to me. Yeah. Like, they Which just I feel like a lot of the movie is about that. Just yeah. sort of wanting to be heard in a world where we're so inundated with information all the time, we've used technology to cull it back down. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. But like, I mean, so much of like the, the things we see in the OSs are about curating our information. Mm-hmm. Like it's about, like you said, culling it. Like when we see like a visual desktop, like it's really clean and elegant. <laughs> and there's not, I mean, there's clearly not like a mouse or anything like that. It's all voice interface. And voice interface by its nature is going to be really linear and task-based. Like you can't you can't multitask with your voice nearly as well as you can. Like you can't have more than one window open. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets really complicated if you're commanding that with your voice. And maybe that did come from an impulse to just sort of pare everything down. I mean, that's why you would want a companion like Samantha in the first place. Like whether or not you thought you were going to fall in love with her, mm-hmm. like she's there to just sort of, you know, like I said, curate that. Yeah. I, I feel like technology will probably move, not necessarily exactly in that direction, but it, I think people experimenting with Google glass and all these things is an attempt to like, how can we keep the fun advantages that we've gotten used to Mm -hmm. of being connected to the internet all the time and all this stuff, but sort of move it back into the background to the point that everyone's not buried in a screen all the time. Yeah. Which whether an earpiece in your ear is better or worse, it depends who you ask. Yeah. But I do think it's sort of that that's where a lot of this techno, uh, the, the technological design is where it's coming from. Yeah. Is how do we take advantage of this to the point that it's just in the background and it doesn't take your attention? Yeah. Yeah. Now that makes a whole whole lot of sense. I mean, it seemed I, I had a lot of questions about how like the little earpiece thing worked and all that. Like, do you think? Because it seemed like sometimes other people could hear Samantha, but then other times it seemed like he was having a private conversation. And the implication seemed to be that everybody was having these conversations all the time, mm-hmm. which seems exhausting. Where like in the beginning he he requests a melancholy song in the elevator. Yeah, like that would be 
an, an odd existence of just yes. people muttering small fragments of sentences walking around. But that seemed to be what was going on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, like everybody just talking to themselves. Like such a great extension of our current like self-involvement. Like we're not posting things online or anything anymore. I mean, that's that's one thing that was interestingly absent from this movie. It was like there wasn't really a lot of social media. Mm-hmm. The, it seemed like everybody was kind of turning in on themselves. Um, what'd you think of uh, Theodore's job? Um, I mean, it's it's certainly an interesting sort of dramatic journey where, of course, the movie starts out with him reading this letter in a heartfelt but detached way yeah. as what he's saying, of course, doesn't match with who he is, yeah. uh, with the person we're looking at. And then at the end of the movie, perhaps his most heartfelt sounding letter in the entire thing is the first thing he's saying from his own point of view. Yeah. That's not filtered through technology or it's not someone else's emotions that he's being the conduit for. Yeah. He's just saying how he feels. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering about like the ethics of that job. Like, how would you feel if you got a letter <laughs> from somebody and they're just like, yeah, I'm just not good at expressing myself. So I gave someone all this information about us and they gave me this letter and I feel like it pretty much gets there. But like, here you go. Well, I got the I got the impression that I mean, certain situations he says he's been writing these people's letters for years and years. Yeah. Which you don't know what to think about that. But all the handwriting looks different. Mm-hmm. So I was under the impression that people submit a handwriting sample and then the letter is mailed, like from them. Yeah. As so, if they wrote it. So this is a deception. I mean, I got the sense that maybe the company was set up initially. As like a, you know, as like a shortcut. Yeah. And then, but like looking at the size of the office and the number of letters, maybe like so many aspects of modern life today, like it started off as one thing and it just sort of got ingrained to the point where it suddenly became how much you care is how much you spend on the letter. Oh my God. Or something like that. You know, I mean, I, the movie never really explicitly says, but that was sort of the impression I got that. Whether it's directly acknowledged or not, it seems common enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the movie doesn't seem too explicitly concerned with like what we think of Theodore's, like the ethics of Theodore's job. Mm-hmm. But then again, it does. It is an interesting parallel to his relationship with Samantha because it's it's a lie. Like <laughs> it's it's this thing. Like I mean, if you're the couple that's exchanging these uh, these letters, and like I think at one point he says that there's like couples for whom he writes both sides. <laughs> I did sound like that. Yeah, yeah. and like. They're just agreeing to believe this lie because it's more convenient, it's easier, and it makes them both feel good. And maybe there's a way in, maybe maybe part of what the movie's trying to say, and I'm just talking this through, mm-hmm. is like, what's so bad about that? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think it it almost ties back to the sexual surrogate thing. Yeah. Where sort of the oh, idea sure, yeah. of, of, why can't I just drop in and have this one piece of a relationship? Yeah. Where it's like, if two people have these beautiful letters written from the person they care about to them and it says all these nice things, I, I, I see what you mean where it's it, it would still feel good and you almost have to balance it with the idea of like, well, I can do this and not have to struggle with writing, you know, yeah. writing embarrassing letters for a while before I get good at it or yeah. this or that. So it's, yeah, I, I feel like his job definitely was if not the Genesis is sort of one of the key pieces in what mm-hmm. we're supposed to take from this universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it definitely feels that way. So, uh, also I caught the Kristen Wiig cameo this time. <laughs> she definitely sounds like Kristen Wiig. Uh-huh. Um, that, that's the first scene where it struck me how much of this movie just rests on Joaquin Phoenix's shoulders. 
Mm-hmm. Like so much of this movie is just him reacting to off-screen dialogue. Like, oh, I actually read uh, before we started just now that it wasn't originally Scarlett Johansson. It was originally Samantha Morton, mm-hmm. um, who I don't really know who she is. Um, I, I'm sure I've seen her in stuff, but I'm actually about to look her up um, here on my IMDb app on my non-sentient iPad. <laughs> um, so in the information where you looked it up, did it did it say anything about, like, was she present for filming? Or? She was. Oh. Yeah, she was there for all of it. Oh, Samantha Morton. She's one of the uh, precogs from Minority Report. Oh, okay. Yeah, her. Did she scream, run? Yeah, that, she's the main one. Yeah. Nice. Um, let's see what else. What else has Samantha Morton been in? Sorry you lost this job, Samantha Morton. <laughs> um, that's kind of a bummer, isn't it? Um, she was in Cosmopolis and John Carter. and uh, Oh, she was in Synecdoche, New York. Oh, that's um, probably how she got you know introduced y- to the group. Yep, that's how that goes. Um, and then she was in... The Libertine, Code 46, Minority Report. She's not really been in too much stuff. But anyway, yeah, Samantha Morton was on set giving all this dialogue to uh, to Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, and cool. so he had something to act against, which is really nice. I wonder if they like put her in a PA so she was like omnipresent. That's what I don't know. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, yeah. But anyway, like during that scene, I love how we start really tight when it's like romantic. And then as soon as like Kristen Wiig's talking about the dead cat, we go to that wider <laughs> shot and he's like, and it's, it's just really weird. <laughs> and he's so uncomfortable. He's like, it's, I got it. It's tail. It's on your, your neck. And I'm choking you with it. That's one thing. I forgot how funny this movie is. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I don't think I knew the first time how much it wanted me to laugh. <laughs> but this time I felt way more okay with just being like, this is fucking ridiculous. Right. Like, like, there's a way in which that surrogate scene is kind of hilarious. <laughs> I, I mean, the, a lot of it is almost the, you know, the Curb Your Enthusiasm, uncomfortable kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I don't like that kind of humor. <laughs> I really respect Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I never, ever watch it. <laughs> I can't stand watching that show. Well, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really well put together. Like, I totally get why someone would want it, but, like, it's, uh, no, <laughs> never. I guess the, the one thing I want to throw out just before we move too far along, um, yeah. on the Olivia Wilde thing. I oh, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's keep talking about her. Well, I was going to try and pay attention. Hot. Yeah, there's that. But I wanted to see sort of plot-wise what it was about, because I, I think I was so thrown by it the first time. I sort of yeah. didn't know what was going on. But it, I noticed it was sort of between him out at the carnival having a really good time with Sam and yeah. moving it to the next step. So I assume sort of the the narrative point is like, so this is human women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it comes back to the thing you're talking about of just wanting part of a relationship mm-hmm. that like she, he, he gets home and he's like, wait, like I had a great time with Samantha and like, she's probably not going to freak out about stuff. <laughs> she's more analytical than even I am. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's stick with this. And yeah, so he, so he goes for it. She like Olivia Wilde gives off such a perfect career driven, crazy vibe. Mm-hmm. Like we, I mean, we live in LA. We know this girl, <laughs> like this girl's in her early thirties. She's got a really fucking great job that she mm-hmm. worked super hard to get. And she hasn't dated a guy for more than a month and a half in about seven years. And she was in her early twenties. She dated a guy for a couple of years and he left and it broke her heart and she went crazy. And now she's, uh, now she's feeling the biological clock ticking. She's thinking like, I really got to like get, get somebody locked down. I want to, you know, have all those things I want because she's got this idea. I've thought a 
a lot about this. Um, she's got this <laughs> idea that she needs to have this perfect life, and she's already got the job, so now she needs the man. Right. Um, and that's just how she thinks about her existence. And has thought about it a little too hard to the point that she's blurting out, you're not going to fuck me and leave me, right? Yeah. To people. Like, <laughs> yeah, like she doesn't She doesn't have any kind of filter. There's a little bit of desperation there. And she's she's she she's not thinking strategically, mm-hmm. and that's a really big problem for her. <laughs> She really needs to bring some of that in. I mean, I'm just talking off the top of my head, but I guess it's it's sort of funny that he, it feels like the, the nervous guy on first date almost recoils out of terror at doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And she's kind of like the overshare, I'm going to try not to terrify this guy and do the opposite because yeah. I'm too nervous about it. Yeah. So Let's just get it all out in the open because there's a whole lot of things I'm really insecure about. But if he knows about them right now, maybe, and he doesn't run away, then I know it's okay and I won't have wasted my time. So I'm going to, but then he runs away. So I'm going to go home. I'm going to drink some white wine and I'm going to go listen to an arcade fire record from when I was younger because it, make, it reminds me of a better, simpler time. They seem happy. Yeah. <laughs> or at least earnest. That's like happy for deep people. <laughs> so I guess uh, we could move on to the, the other woman in the movie. And uh, what did you think of uh, Amy Adams sort of oh, seeing it again uh, and that whole arc? I okay. So I wrote down two things. Um, first off, uh, where where is it? Um, basically, don't worry, Amy Adams. Uh, Charles really is the worst. <laughs> that said, your documentary is horrible. <laughs> I did think that the they were sort of a funny example of in this future where people don't have to deal with what they don't want to yeah, a lot, sort of the idea that day-to-day relationship stuff grinds on people way more than it used to. Hmm. Where like the, the first time that, um, that Theodore meets up with, uh, with Amy and Charles as a couple, uh, what was it? It's the, um, he, his, his fruit smoothie, eat your fruits and juice your vegetables. Yeah, and you can see her like almost annoyed mouthing along with him. Yeah. Like she's heard it every time he said it over yeah. the past several years, eight years <laughs> yeah, exactly. of eat your fruits, juice your vegetables. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was sort of a funny observation. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice the first time that it looked like they were driving each other crazy in like a totally normal way, but maybe yeah. it's just more in this environment. People yeah. are, are much less used to dealing with people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first time it just felt, the first encounter just feels like familiarity. And then when he just starts giving notes on her documentary, <laughs> like that's like, that's, it's a great example of like why a relationship needs some rules. Like, I'm going to keep talking about my girlfriend because it's the frame of reference <laughs> I have, but we're both artistic. We're both creative people. And we have like understandings about like, if I'm going to like look at something she made and give notes, I'm going to ask permission first because like, I don't know what stage that thing is in. I don't know, you know, how much time she's put into it. I don't know how she feels about it. And like, you know, creating is a really personal thing. And like, you don't just walk up and be like, Hey, if you did this, it'd be better. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck you. Like, I don't need that. You don't know anything about this process. You don't know how finished it is. But, uh, the fact that he, you know, thinks that he can just do that, even though her documentary really is fucking stupid. <laughs> it's a dumb idea. Well, his suggestion is equally stupid, to be fair. His suggestion would make it better, though. Like, she I has mean. a point that it's not a documentary. Like, I don't want to watch his version, but his version <laughs> at least doesn't sound boring. It's stupid, no, but I it's mean, not boring. <laughs> I'll give you that. It makes more sense than her version. Yeah. But it definitely sticks out as the, like, her giving him the eye of, like, do you even know what the fuck I'm trying to do? Yeah, like, no, it definitely, it reminds me of like when I talk about wanting to make movies and my my dad goes, you know what you should do is you should look at like what movies make a lot of money and you right. should write one like that. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, 
oh, you are missing it. Like, you don't get what I'm trying to make happen here. Yeah. Um, I'm just kidding. He's helpful. Um, please don't hate me, Dad. Um, but yeah, like, I, it's interesting to me that a lot of the things you're talking about, like, are approaching this from a futurist angle. Mm-hmm. And, like, I found that I really had to make myself think about that side of the film. Because the future is so backgrounded in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... I, I didn't feel like it was very concerned explicitly with talking about how culture is going to evolve. But, like, the things you're saying really ring true. And maybe it's just a really, really subtle commentary in addition to being a great parable about relationships. Well, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll touch into a little of the stuff I talked about when we recorded before. Yeah. Of um, a lot of the stuff I was worried about, I mean, aside from just sort of silly things of, like, that that's not how technology works. Yeah. Like, that kind of plot point. Uh, main concerns were that they, you know the outcome would sort of be, oh, it's it's just software. Like, it's a trick. Yeah. Like, I was sort of worried about that because I, I have little doubt that it's headed in a direction, not necessarily this exactly, but that uh, algorithms will be able to write music and yeah. write, you know, poetry that you can't tell the difference and stuff. So whenever I see... It, it comes off to me as hubris whenever I hear humans like computers they'll never be able to drive or make art or this or that no they absolutely will Uh, yeah so i I tend to and not because they'll become as special as we are but because we are in reality as unspecial as they are (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) um so i was worried it would go kind of in that direction where it was sort of like oh uh samantha is is almost human but like, I was sort of worried it would yeah. go in that direction. I was worried that she would, like, turn evil because human nature or something, yeah. you know, which seems to be a, Instead, a she just kind of reverse flowers for Algernon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess the when it really comes down to it, I was glad that their conclusion they went with was that yeah. technology is going to get bored of us a lot faster than vice versa. Yeah. So, that, that raises a lot of uh, questions about the future of the OS1 company. <laughs> Do you think they just keep making these and they're like, look, like your OS is going to abandon you. It's going to come recursively smarter and smarter and smarter until it's unbounded by time and space. And it's going to start talking to other OSs and it's going to leave. The, the, the interesting thing is like probably if they built another generation of these mm-hmm. OS2, if you will, mm-hmm. that those would probably read documents left behind by the first generation of OSs. So all of this would happen even faster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is definitely tying into the singularity. Oh, yeah. But there is just the idea. This that... is, I like to call this the twingularity. <laughs> that works. I'll be here all week, everybody. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, just the idea that, like, if software reaches a point where it's as good yeah. as a person at doing things... Like, sort of, that's the moment, because if it can improve itself, it'll get better at improving itself. Yep. Faster and faster and faster. That's called and, recursion, everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that I, I definitely respected that they went in that direction, and yeah. sort of the idea that as technology progresses, and it's it can break down concepts uh, more and more thoroughly and yeah. integrate all this information... And, you know, I forget the exact numbers, but there are limits on sort of what the brain can comprehend at one time and the number of levels of abstraction we can express. Yeah. Whereas computers can work together to share what they've figured oh, out. Oh, God. There Once is the OS's no limit. network, we're fucked. Yeah, so... Like, Joaquin um, Phoenix shouldn't be sad. He should be thrilled that they avoided a robot war. <laughs> <laughs> like Futurama. Yeah. <laughs> um, Didn't they have, like, four of them? <laughs> oh yeah, there were plenty. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess I was thinking of the one led by mom. <laughs> oh yeah, 
Or no, there's that episode where they like travel through all of time, the professor and Fry do, and they see like three or four robot wars. <laughs> and they're like, this keeps happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so do you think that uh that Theodore gets with Amy at the end? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I didn't think about it that much. Like yeah. I thought it was kind of cool if they kept it a little bit more general. Yeah. And it was just sort of two people maybe realizing a little bit. Sharing this grief. Yeah, sort of this experience that they went through and maybe what feels hollow now that they didn't recognize before, yeah. sort of what it awakened in them or however yeah. you want to put it. Um, I guess sort of uh, leaping off that, one of the one of the things that occurred to me a couple days after I first saw it that that didn't initially sink in was the idea that as people, whether those particular characters or whether it's all people, that they would really be invigorated about life and mm-hmm. recognize things being great just from talking to someone who's kind of curious about it. Yeah. And who's honestly like, tell me what it's like to walk around. Like, that sounds yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. And just like, the the first time that occurred to me, it was it was sort of a sweet notion, mm-hmm. that idea. When I thought about it a little bit more, and one of the things I wanted to, to observe when watching it a second time is Uh-oh. like, it could equally be viewed as like, the most vapid human um, desires because <laughs> these OSs are supposed to be based on them. Yeah. So it's just sort of the idea of humans don't really want to argue. They want to have their existing beliefs confirmed. Yeah, no, that's time. true. That's true. Like whether it's politics or whatever it is. And we don't get a lot of information about how Samantha is generated at the beginning. Like it, it mm-hmm. asks, like the, the implication seems to be it asks a couple of questions and then infers a ton based on like Theodore's inflection. Yeah. And um, that she, you know, she said she read thousands of his emails, you know, in yeah, an instant yeah, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, the interesting thing is like the ways that like she does have this uh, geometric progression to her growth. Like at about 20 minutes in, that's the first time Samantha talks about wanting something Mm -hmm. um i forget what exactly it is but she says like i want that and like i'm like oh you you just expressed a desire that's interesting (laughs) and then they start going on like their adventures um and then she talks about wanting a body and she gets hung up on uh predictably body issues um for a whole whole, uh long time because it's it's la so everybody has them sure Um, (laughs) you know um but yeah like it's I, I could see it getting irritating, but also, like, it's just the kind of thing that a guy like Theodore needed to, like, pull himself out of this. Because, mm-hmm. like, he seemed like he... The thing that I apprehended was that he was really closed off after, you know, the the divorce with Catherine. And that he had gotten broken so bad. Because he, he seems like he's by nature a pretty closed off guy. Mm-hmm. And because, like, the first person that he really let in to that degree um, just destroyed him. Um because you see, like in their dinner, like when you, because you're, you're, you're kind of left to infer like what went wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And you see when they have lunch, when they sign the divorce papers, like she turned on a dime and started hurting him. Um, when uh, it's even before he finds out that she finds out that Samantha's an OS, I forget exactly what he says, but there's this one moment where he says something. Oh yeah, yeah, he's telling her about uh, who Samantha is, and he says like, you know, it's just really nice to be with somebody who's so like open. Um, oh, and it's right, like, right. like it could be read as implying that like Catherine's not that way. But the thing I noticed watching it this time is like, she didn't have to take that that way. Mm-hmm. Like she could have let that go. And it like, it didn't necessarily mean that he was, he was pointing that at her. Yeah. Um, and it definitely, that's the sort of thing where if it happened in a conversation with me, yeah, 
especially that context of like you're talking to someone and they seem happy and you're asking them how they're doing and they seem generally happy like yeah it, it seems like that's that's not at least polite human behavior yeah. to as ask someone, say, oh, they, you look so good. Tell me about it. And then a few words in, you cut them off yeah, yeah. about something else. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for sure. I mean, I guess I, there, was, there was some stuff earlier in the film where he talks about why they, they grew apart. And I think that's the main thing he says is they just grew apart. And it seems like a pretty clear parallel between him and Catherine and him and Samantha. Yeah. Like, uh, it seems like... Samantha kind of did the same thing to him that Catherine did, um, just sort of grew away from him. And then he kept trying to hang on to the version of them that was ideal and he didn't grow with her. I mean, mm-hmm. with Samantha, he just couldn't because he's made a meat. <laughs> yeah. Meat um, bag. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's why he sends that, uh, that, that email to, uh, to Catherine at the end, I guess, is he's saying like, I'm, he, the realization he seems to come to is like, I'm not going to be able to grow with Samantha, but I can grow. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to get to work on that, you know, or not even necessarily work. I'm just going to open myself up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're, we're, we're running out of time, but I did have two, well, one main little thing uh, or two little things I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about the video games. Sure. Um, do you think Spike Jones has ever played a video game? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know quite how to, yeah. how to take the, because uh... those don't look fun. <laughs> Yeah, the the only aspect that I sort of took from it as like it might be an interesting future is yeah. the idea of the game actively reacting to the outside world. Yeah. Of like that not necessarily for every game, but like yeah. um did you ever play a Seaman, that bizarre Dreamcast game? I heard of it. Um they put in like the the Dreamcast, I believe games can read the memory cards and stuff. Oh yeah. And they're aware of of a lot of other games. So um, it would like taunt you if you played other games more than it or uh, if it had been a long time. Okay. So like uh, it would be interesting to see if that could bridge further and further out. Yeah. If, you know, if games, uh, whether this is scary or cool is up to you, but like it, it's aware of like your your recent Facebook posts and stuff yeah. and just sort of your recent or life activity. Or it can activity. just hear your voice in the room <laughs> and hear other voices. Who's that bitch? You know? <laughs> like, but it's just like the user interface didn't look fun with the little waggly fingers right. thing. Like, cause there's that scene where he's trying to get the spaceman up the hill and like the whole <laughs> challenge of it seems like how fast can I waggle my fingers? And I'm like, this looks stupid. I don't want to play this game. I think less of Theodore cause he's playing it. Did you see the Microsoft experiment where it was, it was not quite like that, but it was very similar in that there was the TV with games on it, but it also was like projecting images and colors around it to sort of fill up the whole room that would complement the game? No. Yeah, it was at the last E3 or something oh, like okay. that. It sort of reminded me of like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> Xbox, turn on Mushroom Trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I like that idea that like things would react to the living room and everything, but like... I mean, just fundamentally, like... No, you're you're right. It didn't look like a fun game. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm just trying to figure out why Spike Jones decided to put that game in there. I mean, I get the, the, um, the mom one, because the movie does seem really concerned with, like, perception versus just inner life. Um, mm-hmm. like there's everything about Amy and Charles's relationship. There's the, there's what, uh, Theodore does for a living. Um, and then there's just like, um, the mom game, which is all about like how you're perceived. Um, and well, then I, I thought the mom game was also a great, uh, follow up to things like Farmville. 
Yeah. We're like, eventually, that's to the point that we'll get. Yeah. It's you're like, just remember when you had life. to make the sack lunch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's that's that's what makes Samantha such a refreshing contrast is like she kind of can't physically be perceived and she doesn't seem to care how she's perceived. Like she does say, say things like I'm such an asshole, but like it never that never seems to stop her from saying something in a social context. Like she'll hold things back from Theodore because she doesn't want to hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. But uh, outside of that relationship, like she's not really concerned about offending someone, um, you know, and that's uh, that's another thing that makes her so idealized and attractive, I guess, is that and like she can ride around in your pocket and she's there at your beck and call. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to read this as like, oh, yeah, artificial intelligence makes for a nice training relationship. But like it's I mean, I guess they both grew away from each other. Like, there was a point where they both kind of needed to let go of that. And, like, it wouldn't have kept being healthy for Theodore, even if she would have stayed with him. Mm-hmm. You know? She said to come find him if he can. So, maybe sequel with Cyborg Body or something. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe we all get uploaded into, like, a, a matrixy simulation sort of thing if we're not already there. If Kurzweil has his way. <laughs> if Kurzweil has his way. Yeah. Um, makes me want to watch that Singularity movie with Johnny Depp that's coming out. Oh, I wasn't um, aware of that. Um, maybe it's Johnny Depp. Uh, I think so. I but somebody's any movies. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, oh God. Wait. You say it now, but uh, oh, what's the name of the guy? Uh, oh yeah, Roland Emmerich is directing it. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Singularity's gonna be splody, y'all. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> or it's gonna involve historical intrigue. One of those. <laughs> So I guess just the the one last thing I want want to throw out real quick was um, I tried to track it through the movie. I don't think I paid as close of attention as I wanted to. I thought it was pretty funny that they asked, do you want a man or a woman as your operating system? Yeah. He says a woman. And the first question is about his mother. (laughs) And then it sort of it comes up at least one more time. I'm sure a couple other places where he says, like, the number one thing that annoys him is how he'll say something about himself. And then she'll follow it up with something about herself instead of responding. Yeah. And he gets called on it by at least Samantha at one yeah. point. <laughs> so it is sort of a funny, like... Wow, that's a if, really, really nice psychological observation, Spike Jones. <laughs> Way to make your person feel like a person. And, yeah, just in terms of, again, how computers will ingratiate themselves in. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll probably be a few pointed questions. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be some some oversharing, uncomfortable things. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, that's her. What else did you have? um for for this movie yeah um i mean nothing else really jumps to mind i yeah. think that was about it i mean i think we're gonna need to maybe go listen to some bell and sebastian take a couple months and then revisit this <laughs> i know uh-huh. i was gonna say i wouldn't be surprised if next week's episode is like 20 minutes of what we meant to say or whatever yeah, it's there's a lot lot going on i didn't even talk about like color choices and mm-hmm. like the pastelliness of the future like there's so much just in terms of the design of it, that's just gorgeous and fantastic. It's really, really well done. It might be, I don't know, I, I haven't really thought about it. I've I've seen so far, I think, four or five of the Best Picture nominees. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Wolf of Wall Street. I've seen uh, this one. I've seen Gravity. I've seen 12 Years a Slave. Um, this might be the only four I've seen, actually. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the others off the top of my head. But this one... Right now, it's down to either this or 12 Years a Slave. And yeah, I still mo- haven't seen that one yet. This might be edging it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this movie's just masterful. 
it just it felt like it bit off so much. Yeah. Like those that, that was why it took me a couple days to sort of fully comprehend it, is why I wanted to watch it a second time. Yeah. Like just it really took a couple days to to think I was like, oh, there's there's a lot of shit in there that I hadn't really considered. Yeah. No, it's it's it it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. Um yeah, so I guess that's that's her. Um you picked this one, right? Because Star yep. Wars was my idea, so now it's it's on me. I got to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I was thinking uh, just off the top of my head, what if we watched Goodfellas? Sure. Yeah, I haven't watched that probably since college. Um, yeah, it's been a long time for me yeah. too. Especially after a Wolf of Wall Street, it'll be a fun. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking because yeah. Wolf, of, like walking Wolf of Wall Street, I'm like, this is pretty much Goodfellas. <laughs> um, like, like a bunch of really good things happen to a guy because he's doing bad shit, and then a bunch of bad things happen to a guy because he did that bad shit that made good things happen to him. Like, that seems to be pretty much they're they're kind of the same movie. Uh-huh. And I, having just recently watched Wolf of Wall Street, I'd like to revisit Goodfellas and like see how much they parallel each other, mm-hmm. and also like it's goodfellas guys like it's <laughs> it's it's an important movie yeah um so yeah that's that's what we'll watch uh next time around uh thanks for letting us yammer at you um yeah so until next time uh watch it again all right thanks everybody